0: I would like to take this time now to welcome our online guests. We thank you for joining everyone. Wave at the Amen. camera. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Again, we thank you. Um, we know you could have logged in to any website there is, but you chose this morning to log in with West Houston Christian Center. And I'm so glad you did. So if you guys that are in-house congregation as well as our online viewers help me, join me in welcoming Pastor Jack C. Yeah. As he's bringing you part two. Of the church. Thank you, sir. Uh Uh-oh. Wow. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Let's change sermons real quick. How's everybody doing? Amen. I always consider it an honor when I get an opportunity to share the word. You know, whenever God gives you something, it's special. Amen? And I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. I think this is the greatest church in the world. I think West Houston Christian Center is the greatest church in the world, not because of size, not because of numbers, but because we're endeavoring to do what God has called us to do. That's all we're going to be judged for. God's not going to get to heaven and say, Jack, you didn't get the church to 700 people. He's going to say, Jack, were you obedient to what I told you to do? And that's all I'm responsible for. Amen? So as we preach and teach the Word, I thank my parents, Pastors Jack and Mary Jean. Give them a big hand. Amen? Founding Pastors of West Houston Christian Center coming up on 30 years. Folks, you want to be here in October. We are celebrating 30 years of faithful ministry And uh, we're excited about it. Well, I want to talk about the church today, amen? And uh, we're not going to get done. And no, I'm not looking to get a next Sunday, Dad. I'm not angling to get a third Sunday in a row. But every time I go back and I start praying and I start thinking about it, the subject keeps growing, amen? And I think it's something that we're going to be preaching and teaching on until the return of Jesus Christ. The church, this is what it was all about. This is it. In this place, the body of Christ, God gave us everything we were ever going to need, not just to survive, but to overcome. Amen? God created us already on the victory side. Think about that for a minute. He already secured the victory for us, and then He placed us right in the middle of it, right with Him. And all we have to do is by faith enforce what He's already done. Amen? So when we're coming to church, when we are the body of Christ, this is not a religious tradition. This is not just something that I do or someplace that I go. If we would begin to look at the church the way that it was created and take advantage of all the giftings and powers and graces that are inside of it, if we would quit going to church and become the church... I guarantee you, your life will never be the same, because you've been endued on high with a power and an anointing and a gifting to help change this world. And guess what? In changing this world, your world will get changed also. Amen? So I was thinking, you know, last week we talked about, you know, Jesus, the first time that the word church is ever used is in Mark Mark 16, when Jesus gets together with his disciples, and he says, disciples, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're a prophet, and some say you're Elijah. And they say, all right, guys, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, I love Peter, Peter stands up and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And upon this rock, Peter, this revelation knowledge of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So right then and there, Jesus says, the whole purpose of what I'm doing is for me to start this church on the revelation of who I am. You notice he said, you're not the son of a dead God. You're the son of a living God. See, God is alive. Jesus is alive. We're a part of a body that's not dead. So everybody knows that Emily's a senior at ORU, correct? Emily is going into medicine. Emily is taking all of her classes right now, and right now she's in a cadaver class. So my little princess had her hands in a 97-year-old man this week and it grossed me out pretty bad. (laughs) But that body was dead. How did she know it was dead? Well, when you start moving things around and nobody says, ouch, that's a good reason to know. She said, Dad, it's a 97-year-old man. Oh, bless her, Lord. Bless her, bless her, bless her, bless her, bless her. But she knew that body was dead. We, the body of Christ, this body's not dead. We are alive because Christ is in us and we're in Him. This body is alive, and anything that's alive reproduces and grows. Amen? So you're a part of something that's big, the body of Christ. I was thinking this this morning. You know, Jesus, 30 years old, He's getting ready to start His ministry. If I was Jesus, I would have gone to the big church in town, I would have gone to the synagogue because that's the place that had been prepared for him. This massive, beautiful, ornate temple, beauty, tradition, everything there. And what should have happened is Jesus should have walked into that place. He should have been baptized there by the high priest. He should have received all of the, 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 everything that goes along with that office. It should have been a celebration. But Jesus didn't go to that church because when he went, they didn't know who he was. So he went to the crazy Pentecostal church down by the river with a pastor that dressed funny. You'll get that in a few minutes. That group of people didn't know what was coming, but they were expecting him. They didn't know what he looked like. They didn't know exactly what it was going to be like, but you know what? They were there expecting him. Jesus goes, not to the biggest church in town, he goes to the place where he is expected. We as a body of believers, when we come here on a Sunday morning as the church, I expect to see Jesus. I expect it. I expect to see him in our ministry to the children. I expect to see him in our worship. I expect to see him in the sermon. I expect to see him in the fellowship. We should all, when we shake hands with one another, we should all be looking at Jesus. Because he's inside each and every one of us. Amen. Amen? So, as we talked about last week, Jesus, the first time He used the word church, He used it, and that I loved. The first New Testament church was where? Antioch. Antioch, amen? Antioch was the first place where the word Christian was used. Antioch was the first church that launched out Paul into his missionary journeys. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Isn't it awesome of God, before He started making converts, that He had a place for Him to go? He didn't just go to converts and say, let's go get the whole world saved and then just let them go back to their houses and live their lives any way they see fit. No, no, no. He made sure he had a place, a body, a church that once people got born again, they would have a safe place to go to where they could learn about him. Folks, that's the church. Now, let me say this. The church is supposed to be a safe place. The church is supposed to be where we can take our children and drop them off and know that they're going to be returned to us in the same manner. And Satan has tried and tried and tried. See, man gets in there and messes up something, takes a God thing and makes it a good thing. And we mess up the order that he has that's there as a protection for his people. Amen? Amen. So church is supposed to be a safe place. When you come to church, we shouldn't have to put our guard up. Come on. The church is supposed to be a place where I can come and I'm part of the body. And the body takes care of me and I take care of my body. Amen? It's supposed to be that way. And so that's what we are endeavoring to do. We talked about last week that the number one purpose of the church is... Missions and evangelism. Amen. The number one purpose of the church is reproduction. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to people of your color and gender only. What? what? Go ye into all the world and find just the pretty people and preach the gospel to them. Well, that's not true because I'm looking. No, never mind. Hey, hey. Y'all look gorgeous today. Amen. Absolutely stunning. He said, "'Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized shall be saved.'" Amen? Now look, he also said in Matthew twenty-four, nineteen, "'And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a, a witness to all the nations.'" And then the end will come. Two things. Number one, Satan doesn't get to decide when the church leaves the earth. Floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, all those types of things. It is not because of things that Satan is doing that dictates when the church is ready for the rapture. How does the loser tell the winner to get off the field? I've played a lot of sports in my life and there is one eternal truth in all sports. The winner stays on the court until either they are beaten or they decide it's dinner time. Amen. So Satan does not dictate when this church leaves the earth. Just because bad things are happening in the earth doesn't mean that is hastening the return of Jesus Christ. Do we know what's hastening the return of Jesus Christ? It's us doing our job, going into all the world, and getting people born again and saved. Then the end will come. We're not leaving until we've done our job. As I said last week, the rapture is not the great escape, it's the great reward. Amen. I'm not trying just to escape this. Oh, if I can just get out of this earth. No, 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 no. We're going to leave this place the victors that we were created to be. Amen. A church without spot or blemish, an undefeated church. We're going to walk out of here on our own two feet. We're not going to be dragged out, carried out on a stretcher, on IV, on life support. We're going to step up on out of here. You want to find out how bad it is without the church, read the book of Revelation without the church in it. And you have seven years of tribulation and Bubba, even the first three and a half years you don't want to be a part of, but the second three and a half, even far worse. You know why all those things can happen? Do you know who's restraining the antichrist right now? The church. We are the restrainers. We are restraining the Antichrist from being, as soon as the church, you notice it's when the church leaves, that's when he shows up. Well, why doesn't he just show up now? Because he can't. Because we have more power than he does. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe this, but folks, Satan is scared of you. Satan is scared of you. He's terrified of you. Because when he sees you, he sees him. And when he sees him, he remembers this little event that took place in the middle of hell. When Jesus walked right up to him on his own home court and summarily stripped him down, just took a sword and just started flipping off all the little things that Satan had adorned himself with. And there was nothing the devil could do about it. And he led the host up to heaven. And there was nothing he could do. Folks, we are fighting a defeated foe. You know what I think happens during that thousand years between the rapture of the church at the very end? There's a thousand year reign. I think we all get a chance to kick Satan right in the rear end. There's just one big line, you know, and it takes about a thousand years for everybody to get a kick in. Amen? But we're not leaving until our job is done. The number two purpose of the church is discipleship. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He wants us to go and make disciples. And that word disciples simply means disciplined ones. Amen? Amen? disciplined ones the reason that you're here today is so that you can be discipled well pastor jack why don't we have discipleship classes welcome to discipleship class everything we do at west houston christian center is about discipleship if you go to prayer on sunday mornings you will be discipled in there if you're a part of our health and healing class you will be discipled in there If you come to a Sunday morning service, you will be discipled here. When you go to Michelle's meeting next Sunday or in two Sundays for the um, education, for policies and procedures for childcare, guess what? You're going to be discipled. You are going to be taught. Look at us. Each and every one of us have to be taught. There's not one person that was ever born that got all this stuff for free. All the disciples, Paul, everybody, they all had to be discipled. They had to be taught the ways and the things of God. That's why you're here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is for us to be discipled. Notice that all of Paul's letters were to churches. Hello. Listen to me, folks. The church is the primary source for all Christian education. That's a bold statement, but that's the truth. That's the way that He created it. Amen? This is the way that God wanted it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And He Himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen? He gave gifts. Now look, when we have apostles come, you know who an apostle is? John Dean. When John Dean comes, he walks in the office of an apostle. Amen? I think Barbara Arbo does too at a certain level. I think she does. When we have someone like Dr. Savell or even Tracy Harris come, they're operating out of the office of a prophet or a teacher. Amen? When we have Mountain Child come, when we have the powers come, when we have Ivan Tate come, they are operating out of the out of the office of a missionary now what you get from us a lot is pastor and teacher but that's not all you're supposed to get amen we should not be the souls the soul all right let's just let that word go we should not be the only place you're getting educated how does that sound amen Now, it is important in your Christian education that we do follow some of the same dynamics and parameters of those that are teaching before us. I don't want to go to one church that preaches on the Holy Spirit and go to another teacher who preaches totally against it. Amen? I want to make sure we're all of the same spirit. Amen? We like ministries that are faith-based because we've seen this faith message. It works for us. You're in a $2.4 million building that was paid for by faith, debt-free. No one can walk in here and take one single thing out of this church. Because whatever you get by faith can never be taken from you. That's why it's so important to live by faith. When you own your car, nobody can come take your car. When you own your house, and now that you own it, you can give it away as God directs you to. Now it can become a seed. I can't give away what I don't own. I don't want to give Mike, Mike, I got this brand new car and 100 more payments, brother. It'll be yours. 99 easy payments and that car will be yours. Amen. So he put gifts in the church. I don't go to a grocery store to find a prophet. Amen? I go into the church because this is the place that God ordained for us to receive that from. Amen? All the gifts of the Spirit, guess who they're for? The church. Amen? The church is where the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation. Gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom. Word of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those gifts should be and are, are, say are, in operation in this church. When I operate in one of the gifts of the Spirit, it is not to make me look better than you. When I operate in the gifts of the spirit, it is for the edification of every single person in this room. When the gifts are in operation, it does not draw attention to me. It actually edifies and builds up every person in this room. Now we are moving forward, going to be spending some time, I believe on Tuesday nights, sharing, talking, teaching, discussing the Holy Spirit. There is such a misconception today about the Holy Spirit, about tongues, about the gifts of tongues, about all those different things in the Bible. And so we're going to take some Tuesday nights. I'm going to get Brother Steve to help me a little bit. And we are going to teach on the Holy Ghost. Folks, you want to be here when we start teaching on the Holy Ghost, because you know why? It's not just a classroom. It's a laboratory. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to dance in it. We're going to pop in it. We're going to see these things in manifestation. But guess what? I was listening to Brother Hagin the other day. You know, the man's been dead and he was born in 1917 and he's still teaching me today. But I've always wanted the gifts of spirit, the Spirit in operation in our church. Yeah. Always wanted it, prayed for it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he made this simple statement. He said, if you're not teaching on it or preaching on it, It's not going to manifest. I can fast for 40 days for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. But if I don't teach you about it, then you don't, there's no faith for it. And nothing's going to happen without faith. Amen? So we are endeavoring to have the gifts of the Spirit in operation at West Houston Christian Center. We want those things. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Amen? Gifts of faith, healing, miracles. Who's ready to see some miracles? Amen? We're ready to see some miracles. Let me give you a couple of verses on that. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, about the gifts of the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 1 Corinthians 14.4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Amen. Prophecy, when I pray in my own personal private prayer language, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 12 years old at the altars at Brazewood Assembly of God, amen, I began to speak in new tongues. That was the first initial evidence of the indwelling or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, back up. We all got a little bit of the Holy Ghost when we got saved. Amen. But there is a second event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which in reality, when the, when the 120 were all in the upper room, they all got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost at the same time. Amen. They all got it at once. I think that's the way that it was actually supposed to be, but we've broken it off. We have let Satan rob it from us and we've relegated it to the back room on a Sunday night service if you want the Holy Spirit and it should be the initial indwelling. See, in my name, you'll cast out demons, right? You'll speak with new tongues. Jesus said it. So when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I got the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I'll be honest with you, I strayed from the Lord right after that. From 13 to age 20, 24 or 25 years old, I went the complete opposite direction. But you know, I never lost it. It was still there. Now, the longer I went, the farther away from it I got. Amen. Amen. But it was being able to pray, it was the Holy Spirit, it was that little bit that kept me in place, amen, till I got saved almost 27 years ago. Amen? Now, that is a different experience than someone standing up on a Sunday morning and giving a tongue, or what the Bible calls diverse tongues. Completely different. When someone stands up on a Sunday morning and is operating in the gift of the Spirit, which is diverse tongues, one person stands up, They give a word and then someone else stands up and gives an interpretation and that equals prophecy That edifies the whole body Amen So when I'm praying in tongues, we can all right now pray in tongues Amen I don't need anybody to interpret. Okay, how about this? Anybody ever been to a football game? Who watched the Texans and the Cowboys last night? That was bad Do you know in that stadium, when they're all cheering and going crazy and getting excited, who were they cheering for? They were playing, they played played in Dallas, so who were they cheering for? But they were all doing it differently. Some were clapping, some were yelling, some were shouting, some were spilling, (laughs) some were turning, but how, they were all doing it differently, but how do we know what they were all cheering? Because they were all of the same spirit. They were all worshiping the cowboys. But they all did it in a different way. The manifestation was different for each person, but it was the same spirit. And they were all worshiping and praising the same. Amen. So when we begin to worship and pray in tongues, and we worship in tongues or we all pray in tongues, we're all from the same spirit. Amen. I might sound different than you, but you know what? Just because it's different, it doesn't mean we're all the same spirit. We're all, we all know who we're worshiping and all who we're praising. Does that make sense? So we're going to be teaching on that on Tuesdays. You want to be a part of that. Okay. First Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, since you are jealous and eager for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of The building up of the church that you seek to excel. So, everything that we do, we want to make sure it's so that the church will excel. We want to grow. Amen? Say grow. We all want to grow. So, one of the primary roles of the church, number one, is missions and evangelism. Number two, um, we talked about is discipleship. But let me talk about this third one for a moment, okay? Correction. That is a dirty word in some circles. Amen? Correction. Part of discipleship is correction. Each and every one of us, the Bible says that whom he loves as a son, he corrects. Now, when I say correction, that stirs up a number of different word pictures for people in this room. For some of you, correction was a violent thing. There was no love in it. There was no instruction in it. It was a violent outburst of a parent that may or may not have been all there mentally. That's not correction. That's abuse. Correction, biblical correction, is being told out of love that there's something in our lives which is preventing us from becoming what God wants us to be. And because God is smarter, He knows that if we will allow this thing to be corrected and taken out of our lives, then I'm going to be put into a position of greater manifestation and greater success. Amen? It's kind of like this. I've coached Little League Baseball for years, for years, for years, for years. And it never fails when I had a group of older boys, when they got put under pressure, I could always tell who was corrected and who wasn't the ones that were corrected took instruction in the middle of an adverse time and then they would endeavor they would succeed or they wouldn't give up the ones that weren't corrected they had nothing to fall back on they didn't know what to do they would not receive instruction they were not teachable and they were not correctable and they might have been some of the biggest baddest boys you've ever seen in your life But inside they were incomplete why is that because they were never biblically corrected there is a place parents for biblical correction in your house and it is the most loving thing that you can do for that child the bible says that if you don't correct your child you hate them and so i encourage you if you love your children But let's correct the way that God wants. When God corrects, there's always love as the center of to why he's doing it. He loves us so much, he wants us to succeed. So he brings correction. And for us as an adult believer, he brings correction through the word of God. Now, I've had a lot of really good study times, prayer times, but it's very, very hard for me to correct myself at home with my Bible, with my notebook. Because guess what? I'm going to be a lot easier on me than I am on you. Judge me according to my intentions and you to what you're doing. Come on. It's a lot easier for me. Okay, Lord. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. There's no real correction in that. But when I get the Word of God, amen, and it's preached to me, I have... See, you have to make a choice today. You have to make a choice to either receive and listen to what I'm saying, bring the change that comes along with it, Or try and keep faking it, but you're not going to be able to fake it forever Because it's going to come due Everybody knows your house note comes due every month Doesn't matter what kind of month you've had, doesn't matter what you're wearing Doesn't matter what's going on anywhere around you Guess what? The rent is due the first of every month And even in the things of God, the rent comes due Everybody's familiar with the feather and the hammer God corrects first with the feather. Come on, little Timmy, everything will be okay. Quit doing that. Don't do that. It gives you time after time of just gentle correction because he knows that if that doesn't work, he's not going to do it, but life's going to do it. And that hammer is sitting right there. And when it hits you, it hits you hard. Amen? So a church is a place for us to receive Biblical correction. How many of you have ever been corrected by something that was preached from the pulpit? It'll check you out, won't it? Check your attitude. It'll check everything. Start preaching about love. The room gets really uncomfortable when you start preaching about love. Because it shows that there are things that are on me to do. Amen? It's on me. There are two chapters of the Bible that I read every day. Every single day. First Corinthians chapter 13. The love chapter, I read that chapter every day because I know that's where I'm the, I get attacked the most. Secondly, I read the 11th chapter of Hebrews every day and that's faith. Every day I'm in love and faith. I start every day of my life with love and faith because I know those are the two areas that are gonna keep me apart, that are gonna keep me afloat, amen? So I encourage you, receive it, write it down when we get corrected let me let me give you an example do you know all 1st corinthians is nothing but paul correcting the church i'll show you one of his corrections 1st corinthians thank you lord 1st corinthians i apologize that's 5 i stand corrected 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 13. So stay with me, okay? I wrote unto you in an epistle. What's an epistle? That's the wife of an apostle. No, it's a letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church, right? So Paul wrote a letter to the church. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or a covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among you that wicked person. That is biblical correction. And when I hear biblical, you notice Paul didn't just pick out a hot topic word. He dealt with all sexual immorality in one sentence. He didn't just pick and choose whatever was good for that day. He hit them all. What he was saying was, obviously, there was some misconception about people, like once they got saved, totally isolating themselves because out in the world, there were people that were covetous and drunkards and sexual immoral. And Paul was like, you can't even go to Walmart without running into that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying just isolate yourself from the world because you're going to run into one of these people. Such were some of you. What I'm saying is, is don't fellowship with them in the church see we have to preach about these things because when we we, if we're wondering sometimes while our blessings are blocked are we are we actually doing what the bible says are we allowing our own experiences to supersede what the word of god says we got to keep it out to keep this pure God, it's not God's dislike for that group of people or any group of these people, covetous, idolaters, drunkards. He loves them, but he loves you. And so he wants to keep that out of here because of his, of his great love for us. Now, it's our job to go into the world, preach the gospel to them, and bring them in where we all get discipled and we get corrected in all those wonderful things. But you got to get saved first. Come on. That is a picture of biblical correction. Amen? Biblical correction. It says in Proverbs, um, either I believe 18.1, one who isolates himself pursues selfish desire. He rebels against all sound wisdom. Can I just say this to you kindly and lovingly, sort of kind of in, uh, wrapping this up? everybody needs a pastor everybody needs a pastor in your life and that person we don't control you we don't there's nothing that we do from the pulpit that we we got our own lives we got enough to deal with in our own world you think i'm gonna try and take care of your life and tell you what to do i'm trying to get my kids to do what i tell them to do and i got good kids it's not my job to tell you where you're supposed to work, what you're supposed to wear, who you're supposed to marry. That's not my job. Amen. But there is a safety in the pastoral anointing, in a shepherding anointing, in teaching you how to be an overcomer in this world. We're gifted in that that we can help you. See, I, I can't. I, I was the world's greatest husband until I got married. I was the world's greatest father until I had kids. I had to be taught those things. I had to experience those things. You can read every book in the world. You can sit at home and read every parenting book in the world until little Timmy looks at you and says, no. (laughs) What chapter was that when Timmy's going to tell us no? Honey, which book was that dealing when Timmy tells us no? See, the problem now, though, is Timmy's 21 and he's got a gun. Where's that chapter? Somebody watch Star Trek and get Dr. Spock and tell me what happened. Come on. Everybody, including me, needs a pastor. This is my pastor, Pastor Jack Pigeon. He pastors me. Amen. My mom, Pastor Mary Jean Pigeon. She pastors me. Amen? Amen. Everybody, we all need, there is safety in submission. It is such a wonderful, beautiful thing. There's such power in it. It's such a picture of God when we're submitted to somebody. Every one of us needs somebody that can say no to us. If you don't have anybody in your life that can say no, then I encourage you, get involved in a local church. Amen. But you got to make the right decision. you got to be in the church you're supposed to be in, not the one you want to be in. If everybody in Houston, Texas got up tomorrow and went to the church they were supposed to be in, and not the one they wanted to be in, our city would look completely different. You would be very surprised at the churches that would swell and the ones that would shrink. We shop churches like we do a new car. Well, what are the accessories? (laughs) How many miles am I going to get out of this? What's the best deal you can give me? What's in it for me? And we wonder why there's no power in our lives. Because we are living by what we see and not living by what we believe. I always got to end on something good. I got to end on something good. Jesus loves you. That's awesome, isn't it? God loves you, but this is what he put into the earth to show us this is the extent, this is a picture of his love, is his church. Don't circumvent the body and try and be blessed like you're in the body. Church, and I'll finish with this, one of the purposes of it is it's a place for us to bring our supply. It's a place. Folks, that corporate worship we entered into, you cannot do that alone at home. Where we went this morning, just that silence, you cannot reproduce corporate prayer or corporate worship. There is a power and a synergy in it when we all do it together. You cannot reproduce that. That's not happening anywhere else in the world except in the church. Amen? It's where I bring my tithe. If you're a part of an online church, but you're not giving, you're just watching church on TV. There has to be a supply that I bring of my time, my talent, my treasury. It's where I bring my tithe. Bring all your tithe into my, so I might have meat in my storehouse. So there's something that happens when I bring my tithe. Amen. There's so much more I could talk about, but I'm going to stop there this morning. It's my prayer. And I really want you to pray about this. You need to be where you're supposed to be. Amen? you got to stop and ask God. Lord, because there's a reason some of you aren't growing is because you're in the wrong soil. You're a tree. And that tree is made specifically... There are trees that grow in Houston that don't grow in North Dakota. They never will. Why is it? Because the soil is not indigenous to them. It doesn't have the nutrients of what it needs. This church, what we're very, very strong on is teaching amen we need more preaching probably amen we're we're now moving into more manifestation of his presence it shouldn't be all teaching we should be experiencing the presence of god and that's what we all want but it's not going to happen until we're all ready to go together amen i want to go together amen let's stand up hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord just clap for him worship god for a moment just thank him thank him well pastor mike's going to come and he's going to he's going to end the service and give some instruction but uh we are having a class in a few weeks my parents are going to be teaching it and if you believe that west houston christian center is where you're supposed to be now you didn't marry your wife on the first date. at least you shouldn't have you need to make sure you need to ask some questions you know i knew michelle was going to be my wife but i asked some questions and then after I got married, I wished I would asked some more questions. <laughs> they were good. It was about me, not you. You don't know what you don't know. Amen. So I just encourage you to come and ask questions. Find out what we believe. Amen. You need to know what's the church government? How does it all work? Where do my gifts and tithes and offerings go? Those types of things. Those are valid questions and you should ask them. Amen. You want to know that your, 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 your trust is valuable to us. Amen. And we would never do anything. Hey, 30 years, there's never been a church split or a church scandal at West Houston Christian Center. Amen. And that's not because of anything that we've done. It's just because when there's purity and headship, amen, when it's holy at the top, it goes all the way through the body. Amen. And they're not going to allow anything goofy or anything immoral to take place. They've been married for over 50 years six hundred and twenty four months I'm not going to tell you that every month was the Garden of Eden I'm sure they had their moments but you know what listen to me and this is for you married people see there's stability in the marriage at the top of the church and even though there was divorce at the very beginning going back 50 years 52 years thanks for correcting me mom look what God did And now there's stability in all of our marriages because of theirs amen that's important don't take that for granted don't take that for granted amen that's a lot there's a lot that my parents have done that has set us up just them tithing from the first day has has just made us so much easier to prosper amen because there were things that they established from day one when it was just them in their living room in our living room with West Houston Christian Center in their hearts. Amen. Robin and Steve, the Maddoxes, These are our elders. Does anybody know where the elders of our church are? Maddoxes, Williamson's, would y'all come up here real quick? These are the elders of West Houston Christian Center. Amen. The Bible calls them deacons. They receive absolutely no money for what they do. But you know what, why are they elders, Jack? Because they're here every Sunday. Well, A, because they were called to be. They're here every Sunday, they're every Tuesday, and each one of them serve every single service and always have. Amen? They're a sounding board for us as pastors. There's a wisdom that we get from them. Amen? It's a biblical thing for us to have this office and operation in our church, but I just thought today it was important for you to see who they are. Amen? Amen? so if you have something if there's something that you see let me encourage you make sure you've come here at least once or twice before you start wanting to make corrections to what we do it just goes over a lot easier amen when you have a bunch of you might have great ideas but uh get to know us a little bit before you start telling us how we could do it better i'm just saying i'm just saying amen all right uh y'all can be seated thank you Williams maddox just give them a big hand